Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Hey, good morning, Connect Church. As you're seated, let's thank our team for leading us out this morning. Man, they do such a good job. And it is so good to be with you here today as we get to make much of Jesus together. You know, I told our team this morning, I know we've had a pretty incredible love week across our community, uh, but today is the culmination of that. The chance we get to love on Jesus, to love on one another, and to together and sit under the teaching and the preaching of His Word, to sing His praises. And so today is the culmination of love week, and we are so glad that you are here. And I'm excited as well to continue... In our series of messages entitled, Hello, My Name is Exploring the Names of God Together. It's been a whole lot of fun, and we continue in that today. Now, as we start, um, I want to show you a video. Maybe you've seen this video before. Uh, It's gone viral, and a lot of folks have seen it, but it's one of my favorite videos on the planet. Take a look at it real quick, if you would. Isn't that great? Isn't that that great? You know what that banner reminds me of? Monday morning. How about you? Like you're ready to conquer the world. You go to run through Monday and it just knocks you out. Man, we love banners in our culture and in our communities. Banners help to celebrate wonderful events. They're used to mark historical events. They're hung from the rafters and coliseums to commemorate sporting accomplishments. Banners are used to memorialize heroes, cultural and sports icons. Banners celebrate special and important occasions. Ah, but a banner in battle, fighting under a banner of one's nation, gives the soldier identity, reminds them of their mission, and is a source of great courage to continue in the fight. You know, even as Americans, we have banners that are very special and very dear to us. For instance, Old Glory, the banner that is our flag of these United States. Um, I ran across a story that I love about uh, this flag. It took back in the time of the War of 1812. A young attorney general had requested permission to board a British naval ship that was just outside the harbor of Baltimore. And as he boarded that ship, he wanted to negotiate for the release of an American prisoner of war. But as he was on that British naval ship, he watched that night as the bombardment of the harbor, the bay there at Baltimore took place. And I mean, bombs going off, munitions firing at every end. It was a sight to see. And there he was on that naval deck watching everything take place. In fact, here's what he would say. He would say, as the battle raged into the night, I strained to see if my eye could catch a glimpse of the American flag of old glory, the banner itself. The red glow of exploding ammunition would illuminate 
old glory for a second or two. But when the gray dawn finally broke, he said, the morning seemed to wash away the smoke from Fort McHenry, and the stars and stripes stood proudly as a banner of hope, of courage, and of determination. And that morning, Francis Scott Key took out an old letter, and on it he began to write some pretty incredible words down about old glory, about this banner. In fact, Jared, would you come on out, buddy, for a moment? And would you kind of share those words with us? And as he does, church, can I invite you to stand? Share those words. Yeah. Thank you, Jared. Thank you. You may be seated. What incredible words written to honor old glory, a banner by which many men and women have fought and have died, a banner under which many more men and women have bravely, valiantly served and defended our nation under the banner that is the flag of the United States of America. And it signifies this banner, the greatest and the freest of nations on the planet. Here's what I know about banners. You ready? Banners mean something. Good banners do. And banners are worth displaying. Banners are made to be displayed for the world to see. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 17, if you would. And what we're going to begin to see is that here in Exodus chapter 17, that Moses is going to celebrate and commemorate perhaps the greatest banner of all time. In fact, it is the greatest banner 
in all of history. In Exodus chapter 17, I want to give you just a little bit of an idea. I want to set the stage for you for where we are in the Word of God. You see, the Israelites have just been freed from Pharaoh, from his slavery, and now they are in the wilderness, destination, promised land. But they run into an issue here out in the wilderness. And we're going to find that here in Exodus chapter 17. They make camp at Rephidim. And the Bible says this in verse 8, that the Amalekites came, and it was there that they attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. And in verse 9, Moses says this to Joshua. Joshua, choose some men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Now here's what we understand in the Word of God. This is the first interaction, this is the first conflict that the Israelites have with the Amalekites. But hey, it won't be the last. They are going to continue for generations to war with, to battle with these Amalekites. They're a thorn in their side for years to come. But here's what's also interesting to know. Here in Exodus chapter 17, this is the first battle the Israelites will have to fight, but not the last, in pursuit of the promised land of God. Now, I've got to tell you, and I've got to remind you who these Israelites, who they're comprised of, who this army is comprised of. Here's what we understand about the Israelites here in Exodus chapter 17, is that to this point, they were freed slaves, not fighting soldiers. These Israelites, they were travelers, not troops. In fact, a majority of the Israelites there were women and children, not warriors and crusaders. This was anything but a fighting force. And in the minds of their enemies, when it came to the Amalekites, these were a foreign group of people trespassing on their land, land that just so happened to be occupied by trained and terrifying armies such as the Amalekites. And you look at this here in Exodus chapter 17, you think, man, this is, this is bad news for the Israelites, the people of God. It, this isn't good news. But I want you to hear me. All is not lost as they get ready for battle against the Amalekites. Because let me remind you what God has done for them thus far. God has delivered his people from the hands of the most powerful man on the planet, Pharaoh. He has divided the Red Sea so that God's people could walk across on dry land. He destroyed Pharaoh's army with walls of water. He dealt out manna and quail to feed his people. He dished out water from rock so his people would not go thirsty. And you know what? If I were a bet man, I bet you God's not going to abandon them when it comes to this battle. In fact, the Bible would teach us something very different. In Exodus chapter 17, verse 13, we find that God brings about the defeat of the Amalekites. In verse 13, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. With the sword, the Bible says, and watch this, in response, in verse 15, the Bible says that Moses built an altar signifying worship and praise to God. He built an altar and called it, you ready? Yahweh Nisi. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. Now, why is it that Moses would call the Lord his banner? 
That's a peculiar name at a peculiar time. So to figure this out, let us go to Battle Eve. The night before this battle takes place between the Israelites and the Amalekites. And let's see what takes place. Turn in verse 9. And as you do, I want to say a special word. As you can notice, I have a different pulpit this morning that I'm preaching from. Uh, if you've been around any time, a church member by the name of Gary, he was in the earlier service, has worked weeks and weeks and weeks. And this past week surprised us with this pulpit that he made for Connect Church. The, the, the portable to put around at different places. And, and I'm so grateful. And I, I told him, I said, I wanted the honor of preaching from it first. It's going to travel in all our ministries and be a portable pulpit. But man, he did such a great job. And so thank you, Gary, uh, for the pulpit this morning. Now, back to God's Word. As we go to uh, verse 9, on the battle eve, on the night before the battle, here's what the Bible says, that Moses says, Tomorrow I will stand atop a hill with the staff of God in my hands. In verse 10, So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went on top of the hill. Verse 11, as long as Moses, now here's what I want you to do. You ready? I want you to do something for me. If you're physically able, all across the room, I, I just want you to take your hands and just do this real quick, okay? We're, we're not going Pentecostal here. I just want you to raise your hand. No, no worries. All right, just kind of do that for a minute. Just, just hang out there, okay? And I, I'll let you know when we're good. I just want you to feel the burn a little bit, okay? All right, here we go. Let me finish out this passage of Scripture. In verse 11, as long as Moses, who, by the way, is 80 years old here in Exodus chapter 17, as long as he held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Are you feeling it yet? I did this last night in preparation for today, and I'll be honest, it hurts right now. It hurts uh, just hold on, I'm almost done with the passage. I, I will read it quickly. In verse 12, when Moses, no, I'm kidding. When Moses' hands grew tired, Aaron and Hur, they, they took a stone and put it under him and sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. Do you feel the burn yet? All right, you can put him down. Hey, hey, listen, it's hard enough for us to do that for just a few seconds. It was Moses' task to hold the very staff of God that had been with him for so long up in his hands with his hands raised from morning until sunset. Now, I'm not going to go here in the message, but let me give you a little bit of a side note. What a beautiful picture of what the church ought to be looking like. What an incredible picture of how the church ought to function. No matter the battle we find ourselves in, man, the church is called to hold each other's arms up. When we are weak, when we are weary, when we are worried, when we are wounded, and when life becomes overwhelming. Hey, can I ask you something, church, real quick? Whose arms are you holding up today? Who is it? in and around your life. That's, that's weak. Who is it that you know that's weary? Worry has seemed to overtake them. Who've been wounded in some way. Who is it that is overwhelmed? Who is it whose arms need you to hold up as they engage 
in this battle. You know, in John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus would teach, hey, by the way, here's how people are going to know that you belong to me. Here's how they're going to know you're my disciple if you love one another. Hey, can I just kind of paraphrase that real quick? You want to know how people are going to know you belong to Jesus? They're going to see it in how well and how often you hold other people's arms up in the midst of the battle. And we find a church, I want you to hear me. We are in this battle and in the battles to come together. We must be unified under the banner that is Christ. There's too much at stake. There's still too many who are lost. There still is too much that is broken. Church, we ought to be holding each other's arms up in every battle we face. All right, I'm done with that. One author noted this about Moses and the raising of his hands and the raising of his staff during battle. Now listen, I don't have a staff. Uh, this is a, a walking stick that I found in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. I think it's actually illegal to take these out, so just kidding. Uh, anyway, but I use this when we go walking, but it's the closest thing I had to a, to a staff. And one author wrote this about this moment in Scripture. He said, the hands and staff of Moses were held up in the same way that a soldier holds up a flag in the time of battle. As these flags bear the insignia of their nation, the soldiers were said to fight under that banner. They were said of them that they were fighting under that banner. And I want you to think of Moses' staff for just a moment. And how much of a focal point Moses' staff had become. Think of it. It was Moses' staff that at the burning bush, he would throw on the ground. God would change it into a snake and tell him to pick it up again, and it turned back into a staff. And it symbolized that it was God who was sending him to speak out to Pharaoh, let my people go. Think of this staff. It was used by Moses as God would bring the plagues against Egypt. The very same staff that would part the Red Sea so the people of God could walk across on dry land. It was the very same staff that Moses would take and he would strike a rock and water would flow and the people of God would thirst no more. You see, in ancient times, banners were not only made of material with stitching or that were painted or dyed, but oftentimes... A banner might look just like this. For the Romans, they had the imperial standard, which was a golden eagle that they would put on top of a pole or a staff, and they would go under that banner, and they would fight, and they would conquer. You see, for the people of God, for Moses, his staff became like a banner for them. Something they would look to in battle on top of a hill as Moses raised his Hands. You know what it symbolized to the people of God? When they saw this staff, it was a reminder of the very presence and the very power of God as they fought their battles. And so we come here to Exodus chapter 17, and we find Moses. And after the battle is won, he places his staff and he puts it down, and he builds an altar and he cries out these words, Yahweh Nisi. 
And you know what it's a reminder of, church? What we find Moses doing there is he's reminding not only himself, but the very people of God that our banner is not some stick, it's not some staff, that our banner is the Lord. That our banner is found in the Lord and in the Lord alone. That Yahweh is our banner. Can I ask you this question, church? What banner are you fighting under today. Better yet, let me, let me flesh this out a little bit more. What banner is it that you live and you love and you serve and you fight under day in and day out? You go, well, Auntie, I, I didn't know there were many banners to choose from. Oh, but there is. There's many banners that people live and love, and serve, and, and fight under to this very day. Let me give you a couple of examples. There's the, the banner of self and pride. It's a banner that says this, I fight for me, myself, and I. My interest, my happiness, my well-being matters the most. This banner says it just like the meme does. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a pretty big deal. And I matter most. To me, many people live and love and serve and fight. Under that banner, they say there's the banner of safety or self-preservation. It's a banner that says, I fight for my safety, my well-being, my safety matters most. So my fight is centered on me and anyone I love not being harmed, always being safe, never taking risks. Longevity of life is my number one goal. And man, a lot of people live under that banner. They love, they serve, and they fight under that banner. There's the banner of what other people think that a lot of people live and love and serve and fight under. What other people think of me. Your life, your fight is to please others and to build your brand in their eyes. Whether it's building that brand physically with how I look or professionally how successful I am or even culturally how well I'm accepted. This banner is centered on how people see me, and that matters the most. Guys, listen, I, I can't exhaust the list of banners people live under, but I'm telling you, people are living under all kinds of banners these days. They're loving under all kinds of banners these days. They're serving, and they're fighting under all kinds of banners. And I just have the question, is what banner are you living and loving and serving and fighting under today? Here's what I want to do. Instead of focusing on all those other banners, I, I want to tell you what you have when Yahweh Nisi, when the Lord is your banner. And here's the first thing, you ready? When the Lord is your banner, rest assured that you are fighting the good fight. Rest assured you are fighting the good fight. When I was in high school, I had the joy of being on uh, Sevier County High School State Championship team. Year was 1999. And, uh, man, I loved, I loved being on that team. And uh, one of the things that I'll remember most is that every Friday night, Coach Steve Brewer would have a man by the name, we called him Preacher Walker. He was an older man, but let me tell you about him. You ready? He loved Smokey Bear football. He loved our football players. But most importantly, he loved Jesus. In fact, it was apparent to all of us on the team that Preacher Walker, that he lived, that he loved, that he served, and that he fought 
under the banner of Christ. Every Friday night, he would come into the locker room. And before our game, he would preach and share the gospel. Danny, you remember this, Preacher Walker, what a great guy. There's a message that he preached that was particularly powerful. And I loved it. It was out of 2 Timothy 4, 7 where Paul writes to Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Faith, fight, and finish became the banner upon which we rallied each other. We were unified as a team, and it was the banner under which every Friday night we would go to battle. In fact, here's a picture of that banner along with our state championship trophy. Now listen, all week I have tried to find this picture somewhere in my stuff, and I have been unable to find it until last night. I took my wife on a date to Holston's, and I looked up on the wall, and they had this picture. So I snapped a shot with my iPhone, and that was the banner. It's in every one of our state championship pictures. It was the banner under which we fought our hardest. And every time I see that banner, church, it means something to me. And you know what? It's worth displaying. Even on Holston's wall at a restaurant, it is worth displaying because it means something. You see, faith, fight, and finish was indicative of Paul who fought the good fight. And listen, oftentimes we look at Paul and we go, listen, we can't relate to him. He wrote most of the New Testament. He was a preacher. I'm not a preacher. So, no, listen, (laughs) Paul spent a majority of his time in his life as a tent maker out in the business world, earning money so that he could do ministry as a tent maker out in the marketplace. And what's amazing is, is no matter where Paul went, he lived and he loved and he served and he fought under the banner that is Christ. As a tent maker, he did that. As a church planter, he did that. As a preacher of the gospel, not only did he live and love and serve and fight under the banner of Christ, but he also died under that very same banner. You see, banners mean something. And banners were made to display. And I guess the question comes for us, church. Is Jesus really a banner for us? I mean, is that appropriate? That Jesus is our, our banner. Let me take you to Isaiah chapter 11. I love this passage. Speaking of the coming Messiah, some 700 years from Jesus, Isaiah writes this, In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for all peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Hey, by the way, from the genealogical records, the family tree of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3, you know what we begin to understand? That Jesus is the root of Jesse because he is the son of David, that he is from that line of Jesse and David. Do you know what that means in Isaiah chapter 11? He is reminding us that Jesus Christ is our banner. He is our life. He is our love, that he serves to us the cross in an empty grave. And you know what? He's the one that assures that you and I are in the good fight. And that is who we find 
in Christ. I think of the Israelites, you ready? Their good fight was to save people that day from the destruction of the Amalekites. Now I think about our good fight today in Christ is to save people from the devastation of sin by giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the Israelites that day, their battle was against flesh and blood. But Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6, 12 that as believers, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the natural and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You see, for the Israelites in Exodus chapter 17, their fight was for the promised land of God. And as believers, our good fight today is to live in and to live out the promises of God in our life. And how do we do that with Christ as our banner? Anthony, how how do I engage in the right battles? How do I fight the good fight? What does that look like? You see, the good fight for you and me is to live, to love, and to serve, and to fight under the banner of Christ. Not just on Sundays, and not just during Love Week, but in every day with every bit of our hearts and our lives. Hey, listen, the Lord being our banner not only helps us to rest assured that we're, we're fighting the good fight, but the Lord is our banner, reminds us who fights with and for us. You know, in the modern church today, there is a misconception that is, that's dangerous. There is a misconception in the church today that is destructive to the believer, the follower of Christ. And here's what that misconception says. That if you have enough faith in Jesus, you'll never have to fight a battle again. It's as if this misconception tries to convince us that that battle against that sin nature that wars against your soul, it's over. You'll never again have a battle with fear. You'll never again have to battle when it comes to your anxiety or your worry. Your battle with addiction is completely over. And let me tell you why that's a misconception that's dangerous. Because it's not true. Believer, I want you to hear me. Even with the Lord, even with Jesus as our banner, we are still going to fight many battles in this life. There are going to be many battles yet ahead for us. In John 16, 33, and I quoted this last week from Jesus, he said this, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have battles. I look over here and I see Miss Glinda, who I love, and her hubby there, Patrick. Man, two Sundays ago, we celebrated your boy's life. 29. A lot of battles. A lot of battles. This world, you're going to have trouble in it. But you know what Jesus says, and this is how you both could sit next to your son in his casket and raise your hands. But he says, but take heart. I have overcome this world. 
That's what it means when Christ is our banner. Church, we got to take hold of this. Yes, the Lord is my banner, but it doesn't mean I don't have to fight any more battles. It means that when the battles come, we fight them. You ready? In what this symbolizes, in his presence and with his power. It means he doesn't abandon us in the battle. And I want you to hear me. When you fight under his banner, you have victory over any and all enemies that rise up against you. Think of Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4. I love this passage. By the way, I think I'm going to preach with a stick every Sunday. I love this. Uh, Think of this passage. For the Lord your God is the one who goes, watch this, with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. You know what I'm so grateful that passage doesn't say? That the Lord your God fights the battle and you don't even have to show up. Fights every battle. Because you know what? That's not the reality for any believer here today. The truth and the power and the promise of God here is that he goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Now, I've got to give a caveat. I've I've got to give a little bit of a warning here. Because the battles I speak of, the ones I'm talking about, aren't ones of our own making, where we choose sin and selfishness and expect God to fight so that we can continue in sin and selfishness. That's not the battles we're speaking of at all. Rather, Rather, the battles I speak of are battles to honor and glorify the Lord with our hearts and our lives. To move from sin to surrender to Christ. To move us from faltering to faith. And those are the battles. He hops right in there with us. He fights with us and for us. As we engage under the banner of Christ. You see, for Moses, both the altar he built that day in Exodus 17 and the staff he held high in the sky that day served as a banner to remind the people of the power and the presence of Yahweh, of the Lord. Even in the heat of the battle. And here's a question I have for us today. Hey, believer, what battles are you fighting today? Public? Private? Hey, what battles are you engaged in today that you need to be reminded through God's Word that He's in there with you? And that He brings to the table both his power and his presence. Because here's what I'm convinced of in Christ through the word of God. When it comes to battles, I have to fight. You ready? That in Hebrews 13, verse 5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, says the Lord, that I will never battle alone. And you know what? No matter the battle, that I never go it alone. Matthew 28, 20, the promise from Christ himself, who is my banner, I will be with you always. Here's something else about the battles I'm going to face and that I'm in. You ready? There is no enemy too great for my banner who is in Christ. Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, let me ask you, church, who is it? Who can stand against us? Or later on, I'm reminded in verse 37 that I am more than a conqueror through him who loved us. You see, when Christ is my banner... I have his presence and his power to live, to love, 
to serve and to fight under the banner of Christ and to find victory in him. I love what the famed general Douglas MacArthur once said. He said this, the enemy is in front of us. The enemy is behind us. The enemy is to our left, and the enemy is to our right. <laughs> Listen to what he said. They can't get away this time. You know, even for believers today, some of us are convinced that the enemy is in front of us, he's behind us, he's to my left, and he's to my right. But when Christ is our banner. He is the one we live and love and serve and fight under. Here's what's amazing. You ready? There is no enemy we face, no battle we fight that escapes the very power and the presence of our God and his victory. You see, battles bring about fear. And to be honest with you, we live in a world that's pretty scared. We live in a culture and a community of people who are just scared. And I'm not just talking COVID-19, but just scared. And I love what A.W. Tozer said. He said, what a scared world needs is a fearless church. How is it that you and I are that fearless church? You ready? It's simple. We live and we love, we serve, and we fight under the banner that is Christ. So a world that is scared can see through the fearless church that under the banner of Christ, we will not be shaken. And not be shaken. You know, there's two things about a banner we've talked about. Make them important. Number one, a banner has to mean something to you. Hey, team, can you throw back up that picture real quick from Holston's? Every time I see Faith, Fight, and Finish, it means something to me. I, I remember the gospel through Preacher Walker, how much I loved and respected him. I, I remember practice days in camp, and I remember the football season that we won the state championship. I remember the games we lost that season. I remember even better the greater victories. I remember being on a field in Nashville and holding the state championship trophy. That banner means something to me. And believer, I want you to hear me about Christ as our banner. It's not that he means something to me, but he means everything to me. Jesus, my banner, is everything to me. And you know, we talked about a banner. Is that banners were made to be displayed. To show others, to remember, to remind others. And what a wonderful reminder of us that as banner is, as, as Christ is our banner. That it is time as a church that we display him in every area, in every arena of our hearts and our lives, both private and public, personal and professional, relational and vocational, with our walk and with our words. It's time that we display the banner of Christ in our breathing, in our walking, and in our talking. Why? Because the banner that is Jesus means everything to us.
I watched this past week, and uh, I tell you what, I don't even know I should use these words together, but man, how proud it is to be a pastor to see hundreds of you who were able to come out and to, to volunteer and love on folks. On Monday, this room was filled with women who are in stage four breast cancer, mamas, young mamas. And as a church, Debbie, I watched you as you, you loved on them and so many others and volunteered with them and helped the children to have a day where cancer wasn't just the most important thing that day. And we loved them. I watched moms with stage four breast cancer stand and worship and celebrate you. I'm just, that's good. And you did so under the banner that is Christ. I watched on every night this past week as, as the church walked into communities, and most of the time those communities looked very different from them. And they played ball with, and they hugged, and they fed, and made snow cones for, for our community. Because we live and we love and we serve and we fight for our community under the banner that is Christ. On Wednesday night, I watched as our team went to gas stations and supermarkets and coin laundry dispensers and, and to uh, coffee shops and I watched that under the banner of Christ, living and loving and serving and fighting for our community under Christ. I watched as you prayed and you loved and as you reached out to our community just to remind them how valued and loved they are by God. I watched yesterday as you served in nursing homes that will soon be shut down from visitors and the outside. I watched you sing the praises of God to remind everybody in every nursing home that they live under the banner of Christ and they're going to be okay. One story that stuck out of my mind, and I'm just going to close with this. Uh, David Sutton and Mallory Sutton. David's a deacon here at Connect Church. Mallory's his daughter. They were at the Food City uh, gas station, and they were just randomly picking people to pay for their gas. Here was our criteria. Uh, we didn't try to size people up on who we would pay for. We literally went out to every one of these locations and said, Holy Spirit, would you, would you lead us to people whose gas you want us to pay for, whose groceries you want us to pay for? I mean, he did just that. Uh, stories are numerous and the tears are many about how God used it. But one story that just really blessed my heart was David uh, was at a gas pump and a truck pulled up. And in his mind, he's like, okay, the Holy Spirit's leading me to this one. And truck pulled up, and there was a young man inside. And David went up to the window. He said, hey, listen, my name is David, and I go to Connect Church, and we're just out loving our community and just trying to tell everybody how loved and valued they are by God. And he gave him a card, and we had these cards made up. It simply says you're loved and valued by God, and a QR code that they can scan and hear the gospel. David would preach the gospel through them. And, and David was telling him all this. And when David got done, it was very apparent that there was a language barrier and that the guy who he was speaking to did not know English. And David definitely did not know him, no Spanish, right? And so it was a language barrier. And so David was trying to, trying to you know, communicate what he was about to do and pay for his gas. And, and the guy had the universal facial expression of, 
Like, we all know what that is. Spanish, English, we know what that is. He just didn't understand. So David said, you know what? I put the garden machine, and I pumped his gas. And when I got done, I grabbed the receipt, and he said, I tried to communicate with him. Hey, I paid for it, and you go. <laughs> Man, nothing was landing at home. And so David finally went. He formed a heart with his hands. And the man in the truck went, Jesus, Jesus. And he smiled big. He swung open his truck door and ran up to David and put his arms around his neck. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. You see, what David did was that that gas pump, he lived and he loved and he served and he fought for our community under the banner of Jesus. That man didn't know David's name. He didn't know anything David had said. But he saw and he knew the banner under which David lived and loved and served and fought. The banner of Christ. You see, there's two things about a banner that mean something. And Jesus, our banner, means everything. And banners were meant to be displayed. Believer, it is time that we display the banner of Christ, that we live and love and serve and fight under that banner, not just on Sundays, not just on Love Week, but in every area and arena of our hearts and our lives. Recognizing that God has sent us right where we are. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.